Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we are going to explore one of the biggest questions, and I might say one of the biggest arguments in all of Bible prophecy. And that question is, who are the two witnesses? For a long time, I easily thought that that would be Moses and Elijah. And that's actually not correct. When I began memorizing the book of Revelation, I think I found the answer. And in my book, I have eight reasons why it's actually Moses and John the Revelator. Today, I'm going to read through part of my book, and I'm going to give you, well, as many of those eight reasons for each as I possibly can in the time allotted. Now, the first big question you're probably going to have is, okay, so why does it have to be some Old Testament or New Testament prophet from a long time ago? Why can't it be just someone living today? And here's the answer. Ecclesiastes nine says, The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Meaning, the things that are going to be in the future are the things that have happened before. In other words, you've heard it said, history repeats itself. In this case, prophets repeat themselves. Before we get into who they are, we have to ask ourselves what they are. They are two prophets marching up and down the streets of Jerusalem in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, giving the false prophet and the beast a very hard time. Revelation 11.3 And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed, meaning they have the morning star. They just blow like breath out of their mouth, and all of a sudden the persons or persons bothering them are hit with a white light, and they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes or shivers. There's another place that says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will I give power over the nations. That means those people that survive the tribulation that didn't take the mark of the beast, but they didn't receive Jesus either. Those are the nations. I'll give power of the nations, and as the vessels of a potter, they should be broken to shivers. That means ashes. And as the vessels of a potter, they should be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. That's the light sword that comes out of the mouth, like, for example, when Jesus returns and burns up all of the tares. So we have two men dressed in sackcloth, and that's animal hair, and it's probably black, though it doesn't have to be in this case. One is from the Old Testament, one is from the New Testament, and they walk up and down the streets of Jerusalem until finally the beast that ascendeth out of the bottom of the pit shall make war over them and shall overcome them and shall kill them, and their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. They'll lie in the street three and a half days, then they come back to life. Now, the question is today, who are they? Because a lot of people think they're Elijah and Moses. Now let's go to what I put in my book. Here are some of the reasons why Moses and John the Revelator will be the two witnesses. What a blessing it has been to memorize the book of Revelation. Reading out loud one evening, repeating one of the verses to memorize it, suddenly I saw something I had never seen before. John, reason number one. Revelation 1 9 says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation. Well, I thought, oh, wait a minute, is John saying he's going to be with us in the tribulation the last seven years? 
Is he saying he is going to be there in the tribulation to come? I dismissed the thought because that was contrary to what I believed at the time. I thought the two witnesses would be Enoch and Elijah. I kept memorizing, moved forward. Besides, tribulation also means trouble or pressure. So it is not necessarily speaking of the last seven years. It stayed in the back of my mind as a possibility for John as being one of the two witnesses. John, reason number two. John eats the sweet book and prophesies. When I reached Revelation 10.8, a second reason arrived. Taking a more serious look to see if I had misunderstood about Elijah and Enoch being the two witnesses, I discovered something new in the scriptures. In these verses, John eats the little book, which was sweet as honey in his mouth, and there are only two places in the entire Bible in which a book or a roll is eaten and as sweet as honey to the taste. Here they are. Revelation 10, 8b and 10:11 says, Go. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations, tongues and kings. Then we go to Ezekiel 2, 9 through 3 and verse 4. A roll of a book was written, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. And he says, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. It was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. Meaning, God had Ezekiel eat this sweet roll and was immediately told to go speak the words of lamentations and mourning and woe to Israel. Likewise, immediately after John eats the sweet roll, John also is told he will prophesy before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So, the sweet book is lamentations, mourning, and woe. The two witnesses speak out curses to stop the rain and turn the water to blood. John eats the little book of lamentations, mourning, and woe, and then speaks those words of God upon the earth. John eats the book which gives him the words to say. Where are Enoch or Elijah found eating a sweet book of curses? Answer, nowhere. Neither one of them is one of the two witnesses, and neither one of them eats a book. It is John the Revelator who eats the book of Lamentations, Mourning, and Woe. Then, just as Ezekiel did, John prophesies to the nation of Israel, among others. Reason number three for John. He says, many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings is an unfulfilled prophecy. John was told by one of the most powerful angels in the Bible that he is going to speak to, quote, quote, many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Well, according to the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, John was boiled in oil and banned to the island of Patmos. He never traveled the globe, prophesying to, quote, many people, nations, tongues, and kings. From the Fox's Book of Martyrs, John says, John, the beloved disciple, was brother to James the Great, the church of Smyrna, Pergamos, and I'll skip all that. Suffice to say, he never got off the island of Patmos, and he never fulfilled that prophecy. So that is an unfulfilled prophecy, meaning John the Revelator still has to prophesy to many people, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, reason number four, a continuation of thought. Only two verses later, the angel reveals the two witnesses. The text never changes topics from telling John that he is going to prophesy, quote, to many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings, to, I will give power unto my two witnesses. 
While there is a chapter break, there are only two verses separating John from eating the sweet book of Lamentations, Morning and Woe, until power is given unto the two witnesses. Furthermore, neither of the two verses change the topic or subject, meaning, Thou must prophesy again as speaking of John when he says, quote, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and is a direct prophecy. When he says, Thou must prophesy again, is speaking of John the Revelator. So, I will give power unto my two witnesses, is actually speaking of John the Revelator and Moses. The verses are a continuation of thought. Now, I'm going to skip those verses. Uh, you can go look them up if you like to. Let's go on to the next reason. So, reason number five, why John the Revelator is one of the two witnesses. The thought came to me, who would most Christians respect to teach them revelation more than John the Revelator, the one who wrote the book? Who would most people readily believe? The answer had to be John the Revelator. These five reasons changed my mind. John must be one of the two witnesses, but more was to come. I was reluctant to change my previous conclusions after studying Bible prophecy for over 40 years. I also understood that the moment we stop chasing truth with all of our heart is the moment we begin compromise in the slightest degree. Then the devil rejoices to bring us error. One of the most difficult tasks in life is to find truth. We must pursue it, forsaking all if necessary, or error will find its way into our heart and understanding. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. As much as I dislike it, my studies that formed my previous conclusion were, once again, wrong. There is nothing wrong with being wrong if one turns from the error. Now, I've discovered that God is quite willing to let me hold on to error if I want to. He is not necessarily obligated to help me find the truth unless, here it is, here it is, I genuinely want it and will pursue it with all my strength. Okay, let's go on to number six. Reason number six why John the Revelator is one of the two witnesses. Leslie was told November 23rd of 2007 that if I studied the feasts, God would show me the secret door to understand Bible prophecy. This prophecy was fulfilled. Confirming the word is from God, and on March 23rd of 2018, I was shown the vision of two books linked by a secret door. Those two books were Moses' book of Torah and John's book of Revelation. I saw the two books side by side, and I was made to know that the one on the left was the Torah of Moses, and the one on the right was the Revelation of John. I saw a yellow time tunnel linking the two. The time tunnel looked similar to a yellow stick of butter linking the two, but I knew it was a time tunnel, specifically linking the word first fruits of Leviticus 23.12 to first fruits in Revelation 14.4. That revelation was linked to the book of Moses. I count that as my sixth reason for choosing John the Revelator, to be one of the two witnesses. Even though they were written thousands of years apart, they are linked spiritually. Moses is linked to John. So why is it we see no links between Enoch and Elijah? 
There is a secret spiritual door between Torah and Revelation because Moses and John are the two witnesses. So there you go. You got six reasons why John the Revelator is one of the two witnesses. Now let's go on to Moses. Reason number one. Revelation 15.2 speaks of a time near the end of the seven years. As I began to memorize this statement in Revelation 15.2, another thought came to me, which by now I have concluded are the thoughts of God, guiding me into writing this book. Sometimes these revelations come in the form of questions, as this one did. And the question came to me, why are these people standing on the sea of glass? Now, let me read Revelation 15.2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, here it is, here it is, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Notice, they didn't sing the song of Elijah. They didn't sing the song of Enoch. They sang the song of Moses. So these are the people that came out of great tribulation. They stand on the sea of glass singing the song of Moses. Well, why Moses? Why would those who had gotten victory over the beast sing the song of Moses? I had to arrive at the conclusion that these tribulation saints had just battled the beast for the last three and a half years alongside Moses and John. They're standing on the sea of glass because before their death, they had just witnessed Moses and John fighting almost daily with evil in the streets of Jerusalem. Their victory was losing their life for Christ and not giving in to the beast. In other words, becoming an overcomer. His lies and mouth speaking great things. These guys became the overcomers. They resisted and, quote, keep my works to the end. John the Revelator will be an overcomer, witnessing to those who dwell on the earth a living testimony of how to be an overcomer by resisting the devil in the streets of Jerusalem near the last half of the tribulation, clothed in sackcloth. But Moses is also one of the two witnesses. They know and see Moses battling the beast, which is why they sing and play their harps, and they sing the song of Moses, Deuteronomy 31. Moses is there battling the beast. They have just spent three and a half years battling with him, and this is their time of rejoicing, my brothers and sisters. They're rejoicing over the beast because they have the victory. The greatest of victories, the victory over the beast. This is why they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Moses, reason number two. Well, in Egypt, Moses turned water to blood. Moses is repeating his giftings in Egypt in modern times. Now, did Enoch or Elijah ever turn water to blood? Uh, no. Many of the curses the two witnesses sent upon the earth are the same curses Moses sent upon Pharaoh in Egypt. Moses is simply repeating the curses of God from the days before Pharaoh in Egypt. He sends the same curses in the tribulation. Well, we know that the Bible says that gifts and callings of God are without repentance, meaning God doesn't pull gifts back once given. Moses is now repeating before the beast the same curses before Pharaoh, a precursor of the beast. Now, again, let me read that verse. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, The thing which hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. 
and there is no new thing under the sun. So Moses turning water to blood before Pharaoh. Same thing, brothers and sisters. Moses turns water to blood before the beast. Revelation eleven six says, These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of the prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Moses, reason number three. Well, Moses was given the Song of Moses, which plays in the last days. So my third reason that Moses is one of the two witnesses is that the Song of Moses itself, the Song of Moses is a prophecy given to Moses on his 120th birthday, spoken over Israel, mostly to be fulfilled in the last days. And I believe the reason Moses was given the prophecy was because he will be in Israel as it is fulfilled. He will be there with his people in their darkest hour, sending out curses against evil. Fire, the morning star, will come from his mouth and burn up his enemies. Now, another reason. I had the audible voice of God speak to me. This is it. It was Saturday evening, August 8, 2015. I was preparing for my sermon the next Sunday morning. I was alone in my study, and I prayed, Lord, I don't have anything to say for tomorrow's sermon. What would you like me to say to your people? For the first time in my life, I heard the audible words while I was awake. Now, I'd heard it in the night, only this was while I was awake. And it was as if someone was in the room speaking to me, and I heard God speak to me in various ways, but this time I heard, this is the time of miracles. In a moment, I was impressed that the greatest miracles in human history will be poured poured out as judgment hits. No one since Adam has ever seen the miracles which we are about to see hit the earth. As difficulty hits, God is not going to leave us alone. He is going to help us in battles against evil and difficulty. He's going to be there with us step by step, pound for pound, inch for inch. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And the two witnesses will be using miracles to bring truth just as the beast and false prophet use miracles to deceive. Part of what I was impressed with is that oil will be given to Israel wondrously, Joel 2.24. Well, the same thing happened three more times. October 3rd, 2015, I heard these are the days of Elijah, which is the great end-time battle between good and evil, and it has now begun. October 18, 2015, I heard these are the days of Ezekiel. In other words, the great global gathering of Israelites and Christians back to Israel is about to begin. Actually, it's already begun in the small stages. On November 1, 2015, as I was sitting in the front row Sunday morning and my wife was teaching, I heard in the Spirit, the Song of Moses is not a song. Well, I knew it was not a song. I knew it was a prophecy to Israel to help them in the last days. But nevertheless, I had to find out why God spoke this to my heart. When we look at the verses before the Song of Moses, they mention in the last days, and Moses prophesied about the last days, that doesn't prove by itself that Moses is one of the two witnesses. But... In light of the additional reasons, my opinion, there's no doubt. Remember, this was given to Moses and delivered to Israel on Moses' 120th birthday, the day Moses died. Could it be that when Moses was given the Song of Moses, he actually knew that one day he would return in the last days when this prophecy plays? Could it be that the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 31 links to the Song of Moses in Revelation 15.3? Well, once again, we see a link between Moses and John, between the Torah and Revelation. Deuteronomy 31.2a says, And 
he, Moses, said unto them, I'm a hundred and twenty years old this day. So Moses, the servant of God, died there in the land of Moab, but no man knoweth his sepulcher unto this day. It was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. Then if you jump down to Deuteronomy 31, 29, and I, I'll let you get the verses, you get the book. Gather to me all the elders of the tribes and your officers, that I may speak to your ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death they will utterly corrupt themselves. Then he goes on to give the Song of Moses. Now we see the Song of Moses prophesied in the latter days. Moses gave the children of Israel a warning that they would turn aside from the commandments and evil would befall them in the latter days. Moses knew his prophecy would be playing in the last days. Question, did he also know he would be there? Was it the plan of God that Moses would return and be one of the two witnesses? Could it be that Moses was given the song of Moses because he will be in Jerusalem as one of the two witnesses? The song of Moses is a prophecy that plays in the last days. Moses, the song of Moses in the last days, God was connecting him to the last days even before his death. Now let's go to why Moses, reason number four. The grave of Moses was never known, and Michael and the devil fought over his body. Do you suppose something was done with the body of Moses? Why couldn't anyone find his grave? Is this any hint that he will be one of the two witnesses? Perhaps the body of Moses and John were taken to heaven, and that is the reason the devil and Michael fought over the body of Moses. Is this another hint that Moses is one of the two witnesses? Reason number five. Moses was promised to go into the land that flows with milk and honey. My fifth reason is an unfulfilled prophecy or promise made to Moses. Many of Moses' prophecies, spoken on his 120th birthday, the day he died, prophesied massive amounts of oil will be found in Israel in the last days. Here's part of the Song of Moses that speaks of the coming massive oil discovery in Israel. And I'm going to skip the verses here. There are 12 specific points in the prophecy in Deuteronomy 33 given by Moses to Israel that speak of oil blessings to Israel in the last days. This is the first prophecy given to Moses as he was standing at the burning bush. Exodus 3.8 says, And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land, a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now I'm going to skip some other verses again, get the book to get all of it. Moses was to get water from rocks at two different times. The first time he was to strike the rock, the second time he was to speak to the rock. So Moses struck the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock. We know God became angry with Moses because Moses messed up the prophetic picture. Could it be that Moses all along had been promised to go into the land that flows with milk and honey. And I'm going to skip several paragraphs there because we're running out of time. Moses, number six. The feasts and the Torah written by Moses are part of the secret door of prophecy. The feasts given to Moses are part of the secret door of prophecy. This prophecy is called the Song of Moses. It was given to Moses because Moses will be there in the last three and a half years. So what other good reason would there be explaining why the Song of Moses would even be mentioned in Revelation, a book about the last seven years? Moses lived about 3,500 years ago, yet the Song of Moses is written in Revelation because Moses is going to be one of the two witnesses. The secret door is a time tunnel that links the feasts given to Moses to the prophecies given to John the Revelator, linking the Torah to Revelation linking the feasts to Revelation to show the world the timing 
and the order and prophecies of the last seven months. In that Revelation was linked to the books of Moses, I count that as my sixth reason why Moses. Now let's go to the final reason for Moses. Who would the Israelites listen to to tell them about the last days the most? Answer, Moses. So I believe the two witnesses are Moses and John the Revelator. I have six reasons why John is one of the two witnesses, and I have seven reasons why Moses is one of the two witnesses. Let me summarize. So John says, I, John, whom also your brother and companion in tribulation. He ate the sweet book of lamentations, mourning and woe, preparing to prophesy three and a half years. The unfulfilled prophecy, thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Number four, thou must prophesy again is only two verses from I will give power to my two witnesses. Number five, John in the book of Revelation is in the New Testament part of the secret door. Six, who would the Christians listen to the most to tell them about the last days, specifically the book of Revelation? Obviously, John the Revelator. Now, summary of seven reasons why Moses is one of the two witnesses. The tribulation saints sing the song of Moses, too. In Egypt, Moses turned water to blood. Moses is repeating his giftings from Egypt in the modern times. Three, Moses was given the prophecy, the song of Moses, which plays in the last days. Four, the grave of Moses was not found, and Michael and the devil fought over his body. Five, Moses was promised to go into the land that flows with milk and honey. Six, the feasts and the Torah written by Moses are the Old Testament half of the secret door prophecy. Seven. Who would the Israelites listen to to tell them about the last days the most? Answer, Moses. So, what do Enoch and Elijah have to do with the last days? Nothing. <laughs> Neither of them have any links to the last days, no prophecies, no songs, no sweet rolls to eat, nothing. Moses was given the song of Moses. John was given the book of Revelation about the last days. Enoch and Elijah had nothing given to them about the last days. The name of the book is... The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy 1 for 20, don't do that. 5 for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. Get some extras so you can give the book away. My challenge is if you read the first 13 pages, I believe you'll be giving the book away. 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. Get this occult holidays gift offer. We put together six DVDs, five titles, Valued at $160, all for a gift of just $40. That's less than $10 a DVD. First one, what's wrong with Halloween? Dr. Jack Clooney is a ranking authority on Satanism, witchcraft, white supremacy, and other forms of occult and occult activity. He helped investigators from the FBI, CIA, OSI, Border Patrol, and dozens of police and sheriff organizations across America in occult-related crimes. The average Christian has no idea of the influence of the occult in crimes. America's Occult Holidays by Doc Marquis. Doc was raised in an Illuminati family, trained as an Illuminist, and attained the rank of Master Witch, third degree. He has been a Christian since 1979 and appeared on and consulted for The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Geraldo Vera Show, Hard Copy, Inside Edition, Unsolved Mysteries. He reveals how all American holidays are designed to be used as an occult numerical pattern originating from the Illuminati. Discover the real truth behind the popular holidays like Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day, May Day, and other traditions of men, and learn the truth behind occult practices like trick-or-treat and May Day. 
Occult Holidays Revealed by Stephen Dollins. Stephen is an ex-Satanist high priest of the Church of Satan. He reveals the truth and the true origins behind Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and the world's most celebrated holidays, including Is Christmas the Real Birth of Jesus? Is Easter Celebrating the Resurrection of Christ? And What is the Hidden Agenda Behind Halloween? The Occult in Your Living Room, also by Stephen Dollins. Stephen exposes the subtle devices used to infiltrate the homes of Christians and non-Christians alike to lure the young and the old into the practice of witchcraft and Satanism. Discover the evil truth behind today's crazes like movies, video games, and role-playing fantasy games. These devices initiate our children into the world of the occult by making evil appear to be cute, such as Teletubbies, Pokemon, and others. Vampires and werewolves, real or fake? Bill Snevelin was a voodoo priest, Wiccan high priest, second-degree member of the Church of Satan, a New Age guru, occultist, channeler, 90th-degree mason, and a Knight Templar, vampire initiate, and member of the Illuminati. Due to the increase of media exposure, vampires and werewolves made to appear seductive. Many people are becoming intrigued with evil. All six DVDs, five titles, $160 value, all for a gift of just $40 at prophecyclub.com. It's called the Occult Holidays Gift Offer, and if you order by October 25th, you'll get it in the lower 48 states by Halloween. That's the Occult Holidays Gift Offer. Six DVDs, five titles, gift of $40 at prophecyclub.com.